Hey everyone, welcome to Cheaper by the Dungeon. We are a D&D 5th edition podcast. Um, we usually do a serial campaign, um, but today we're doing a one-shot in celebration of our one-year anniversary. Guys, we made it! Woo! We, we did, did it! it. One we're year! <laughs> Yay! I'm Adam. Does everyone want to introduce themselves? I'm Seth. Regular player around here. Am I going next? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, you Man, are. Yeah. You'd think after a year we'd have this intro like down pat. Well, hello. My name is uh, Connor. I'm a former DM and a two-time player now. Uh, I think that's everybody important. I think we can just move on. My name is Jacob. I'm a six-time D&D master, dungeon master. Uh, won some awards. I have pa- a Patreon where it's like $500 tier where I helped at a... a a little podcast he was just starting out <laughs> and uh i've been doing this for about a year but they keep paying me each month um so you guys can catch me on uh jacob's a D- dungeon master uh elite edition on, <laughs> <laughs> on uh spotify just came out with a new dlc right i just downloaded it <laughs> jacob's dungeon master elite edition yeah, so that's uh it's a little more extra money Oh yeah, yeah. Is there other edition? There's um yeah for each each uh, class there's like barbarian edition, uh, there's like wizard edition, rogue edition. <laughs> Man, you're so knowledgeable. Yeah, <laughs> you know them all. You know all the classes. <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> so usually we have a campaign that Seth leads, and it has Norman, maybe Darian, and Zippy for sure. Um, but like I said before, this is a one shot and this is kind of a special one shot for our anniversary because it is a campaign teaser for a campaign that we have made. Um, and it's going to be released on our Patreon and for sale. Yeah, we're going to sell it somewhere else too. So you don't have to, if you want it, you don't have to, uh, go on our Patreon either way. You can get your hands on it, uh, and we'll get it to you. We'll, yeah. we'll put it in, so, I don't know, in the description text for this episode that we post on social media, at Cheaper Dungeon on uh, Twitter, you can find us and uh, you'll see that it's there and how to do it. Just a little bit of like a disclaimer. So, this is not originally a one-shot, but it is a one-shot for today. So, a lot of the decisions, a lot of the battles, dungeons that people can or will, like, will or will not find or have to make or whatever can be quicker than this can be longer than this but for the sake of the podcast we do have to like i've kind of made it a little more expedited so hopefully things kind of go at a relatively moderate pace and hopefully it kind of um uh gives you a taste and kind of what's your appetite i guess for um the rest of the world that it is and without further ado i think we're good to go let's do this okay so here's the context for the one shot Oh my god, it's real. Okay, you all come to at around the same time. It's nighttime, and it's cloudy, so it's very dark. You're inside a moving carriage, but the carriage has no roof. So you feel the wind rushing past you, and there's a dampness to the air, there's a a coolness to the air, it feels like it could rain at any moment. The carriage is moving at a moderate pace, too fast to jump out of without... A risk of injury, but you could try. There are two horses kind of pulling the cart, and there's a sole driver. 
He's got like a big, dark cloak on. You can't really see much more than that. There is a pole sticking at the front of the cart sticking up, and you can see something fastened to the end of it. It's a stone that seems to be giving off a dim light, and there's no torches. And it, um, the stone has a slightly fungus hue to it, so kind of like a light green, light blue kind of um, fluorescent or kind of glowing mushroomy kind of look. I hope that makes sense. As you look around, you see the darkened shapes of trees and boulders rush past you as the carriage is moving. In the carriage with you, you look around and you see two other people. You see each other. Um, all right, everyone, let's do some character descriptions just of what the other people would see. When looking at you. So you see me, Ulfric Stormcloak, uh, from Skyrim, in the back of this character. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, No, you see, uh, I am uh, a young woman, uh, 20-something, we'll say. Uh, And her name is Poppy Bolton. And she is just a human girl, black, long hair. It's in a ponytail right now. And she's just wearing a super cute sundress. And uh, I'm just kind of sitting there with my legs crossed uh, and just looking at all the rugged and tough individuals around me. I'm pretty clean and proper, though. Like, I don't look rough or tough or anything. Uh, And I am a cleric, by the way. Domain of love. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's awesome, man. Totally not what I was picturing. That's awesome. Okay, Connor, how about you? Uh, you see a gray-skinned Goliath with black tattoos that run down his forehead and kind of across each eye to down under his chin. He's got a black beard that stands about an inch off his face uh, and pale gray eyes. He stands about uh, seven feet, seven inches, uh, 300 pounds of pure muscle. Uh, Holy smokes, he's huge! Under his chainmail, uh, he's got a morning star. And a shield with him, and on the shield is a symbol of a dragon, and he is a paladin. Okay, Jake, how about you? Sitting across from both of these people, I refuse to share a bench with them, uh, is Glenberry Tutulio. He's a proud noble, high elf, um, stands about 6'3", quite tall, uh, but... He uh, he looks like he's never he's either never been outside or if or either or applies sunscreen hourly. Um, <laughs> so the Daenerys brother, uh, probably the latter, a, a, a proud noble, um, um, is just fair skinned, has green eyes, um, has a slight smirk almost constantly, and uh, refuses to look at anyone in the eye right currently. The three of you are prisoners. You know that all of you are prisoners in this cart, and you all are doing. I won't. I won't say what your crimes are. In fact, Drugs. I think. They, I mean, out in the podcast, Jake. Um, so, any, <laughs> anyways, you are all criminals in the past. You can decide whether or not to divulge that to the other people. Uh, what your crimes are, you don't know what the other people's crimes are. Um, but you know that they are criminals, and they've accepted the same deal as you. So basically, 10 years ago, a disease broke out like crazy in the province of Keflandin. And Keflandin um, was a regular part of the kingdom. Um, they did trade. They had elves, dwarves, humans, all that kind of stuff, some wild monsters. It was basically the same 
And then, without any explanation, this disease broke out, kind of like the Black Plague, and it was spreading like crazy. And maybe like 200 years before that, this happened before, and it killed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So the king, knowing this, he got all of his like most powerful mages and wizards, and they basically quarantined with this magical wall, um, like this whole province region... And the spell was going to last 10 years. 10 years go by. It's present, not present day, but it's present day for you. And the wall has started to disintegrate and break and people can go back in. The king wants to, people to go in and repopulate it. Um, but everything's overgrown and infested with monsters who haven't been threatened by intelligent life for a decade. So no one wants to live there. So the king has started an initiative where criminals um, can accept this deal and your sentence will be cut in half. If you go live there. So that's the context. That's why you're all here. You guys one day have a, a, a like some kind of noble walk-in in your prison cell. And it gives you this deal. He kind of puts a spell on you. You go unconscious. And you wake up here. So now you're sitting in this carriage at night. There are no walls. There's no ceiling. You see the, the trees rushing past you. Feels like it could rain at any moment. And... You look around, and just like Connor said, uh, sorry, just like, um, what's his name? Corey? Corey. You you have your weapons that you had when you were arrested. So he has his morning star and his shield. If you have anything else, like uh, herbalism kits or anything like that, that was taken. You just have your weapons and your armor that you were arrested with. You're in this carriage, and you're moving at a relatively fast pace. Um, and you're in riding in silence, and it's very dark. Who's um driving the carriage? Uh, make a perception check. Uh, that's a six. <laughs> Out to a good start. You can't tell. It's so dark in here. By the way, do barbarians have? I mean, not barbarians. Do the Goliaths have night vision? Dark they vision? They don't. Okay, yeah. So it's hard to tell. You can tell that it is a humanoid size person roughly they're riding they're not looking back at you their hood is pulled up and yeah they're just riding and you begin to hear that like kind of sound as there's a a drop of rain that lands kind of beside you and then one on your forehead and then and as it begins to rain and it falls into the carriage it activates this shield that is around the carriage that you couldn't see before that as a raindrop passes through, it's like you see a ripple that follows the shapes of walls, like where a regular carriage with a roof and walls would be. And it kind of spreads out in a ripple of like this rainbow light and kind of shows you that there's a magical wall around the carriage. Um, and as more raindrops begin to fall, as a light rain begins, these walls kind of keep rippling and showing so you can kind of see where these walls are. Ooh, pretty colors. Oh, yeah, well, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa, whoa, I haven't heard your character voice yet. Sorry, my name's Kuori. I'm a Goliath. Oh, hi. Hi, um, I'm Poppy. Um, what's your name? Is it just the three of us in the cart? Yeah, just the three of you. Hey, tall, white, and handsome, what's what's your name? What, can you not talk? Does, are you not able to talk? Is that a thing? Is that insensitive? Uh, 
my character just, or rather, just looks to the side, refuses to look at them. Oh my goodness! Did is your tongue cut out? Did you get punished for that? That's a pretty rough thing. I'm, I'm sorry. Do you know this one? I think he's shy. Maybe it's because of me. Oh, it's okay, buddy. You don't need to be shy. Sometimes bad things happen, and you need to pay for them. And now we're here. It's fine. My, my night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta get this. <coughs> I refuse. I know. I keep thinking. I'm trying to get. I don't have an accent. I'm just. I need to. <laughs> it's like right. Zippy's here too. <laughs> Zippy teleports into the car. One second. I'm Glenberry Tatulio. I refuse that you talk to me. Don't even think about it. <laughs> oh, are you one of them, the posh little boys? I'm as posh as they come. Well, I don't know if you should be proud of that. I don't like him, but Poppy, you seem nice. Thank you. I am really nice. Alright, so... Alright, let's level here. Why are you here, Poppy? <laughs> Whoa, okay, straight to the question. Well, if we're all going to be um, here together, and it seems it's not a very forgiving landscape, I'd rather know who I'm, I'm with, actually. Sure. Um, well, actually, I think I don't deserve to be here, because I'm not really a criminal. Before I got in this carriage and everything, I was a matchmaker for love. Um, it was called Poppy's Pop and Couples. Um, we had the hottest singles and beauty queens and preteens and all those things. Anyways, so I had a client. Uh, they came to me in their hour of need. It begins to they... rain more now as you talk. Ew, 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 ew. Anyways, it was, you know, working with this guy, he was extremely difficult because he just was ugly in the face i was gonna say that was very diplomatic but then you said that part so then yeah yeah so yeah real you know face bad and anyways so i tried to find him a match and then we found someone that could potentially be good but you know they weren't taking the bite they weren't going on dates they they seemed uninterested in my client so we thought you know the way to win her over would be if he saved her from, like, a really dangerous situation. A streak of lightning rips across the sky right above you, right above you, and it lights up everything in that quick flash of that bright blue. And you see, just while you're talking, that you're in the middle of a field that's kind of entering this kind of um, thick wooded area. There's, like, a narrow trail that the carriage is headed towards. And as soon as the lightning clears, you don't see anything dangerous, but as soon as the lightning clears, you realize how little this stone is illuminating the way. It seems like the driver is kind of going just by memory. It begins to rain more, too. Sorry, keep going. Jeepers. Um, where was I? Um, okay, so anyways, we found out where she lived. We set fire to her house so that he could run in and save her in a really heroic way, and they would fall in love. And so he ran inside the burning building... We made sure all the windows and doors were locked so she wouldn't get out before he saved her. Uh (laughs) Um, And then he ran in, uh, and I was waiting outside, and like a minute or two passed, and then a few more, and they weren't coming out, uh, so I left. Oh. Because I assumed they were, you know, maybe getting it on or something. In the... You know, hot and steamy. In the flames? Yeah, so... (laughs) Yeah, man. I don't know how he didn't get out. It was a very small fire, but obviously it grew. And anyways, I am charged with arson and, like, double murder, so... Oh, 
not deserving. So well. you're so you're a murderer. <laughs> okay, a little harsh. No, I'm a matchmaker. You enter the forest area, and it's not super thick. Like you can still see through it a little bit. You can see occasional trees pass by. Uh, it offers some protection from the rain, um, but you're soaking wet at this point. So you committed arson and committed double murder, and you were convicted of that. That's pretty hardcore. Technically, yes. Sound, yeah. Sounds like a pretty accurate conviction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay. That's pretty rough. Uh, Poindexter, what, what's, why are you here? If you're so great. As if I'd tell you. Okay, next. <laughs> uh, Carrie. It's, it's Kurori. I'm never going to be able no, to say that correctly no, every single time. I know time. you can do it. Come on. It, say it with me. It's it's Ku. Ku. A. No, oh. Re. <laughs> oh. You still haven't said oh yet. Carrie. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still on O. Oh. Please. Oh, just, honestly, you would do so much better in the dating world oh. if you just had an easier to say name. I'm a paladin. I'm not trying to suit, suit, suit out a suitor. I'm quite all right. Okay, what about you, Glenberry? What about me? Maybe I can already see a spark between the two of you. Between who and who? You. And you. Okay, sorry to interrupt. All three of you, give me a perception check. Twelve. Oh, wait. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Glenberry explodes! <laughs> Ten. Twenty-two. Fourteen. Okay, 14, 10, 22. Yeah, you guys are, are all talking, and in the midst of this... Dang it, Seth, what's your character's name again? Uh, Poppy. Poppy, yeah. So, Poppy, as you're talking to uh, Kyori, um, you're like immediately losing interest, and you kind of look off to the side, and even though it's dark out there, you, you think you see some movement outside of the carriage. Um... Guys? Yeah? There's general movement outside of this carriage. And you start to hear kind of all around you this kind of like these yippings and these small howls kind of breaking out as you've entered this forest. And you hear the driver kind of mutter under his breath, oh shit. And he kind of like snaps the reins and the carriage lurches forward as it kind of picks up pace. And you guys are going faster now in almost pure darkness. Hi, Mr. Driver guy, is it? Is there lots of wolves around this area? And he kind of like glances back at you and then looks forward again and he says, They're not regular wolves. Get your weapons ready. Alright, what kind of wolves are they then? I don't have time to explain. Just get ready. And he kind of like lifts up his hand and he kind of like snaps his fingers and the stone that's on top of the, the carriage begins to shine a little bit brighter. And just as he does that, you kind of clear this forest wall and you enter this clearing of kind of like tall grass and gently rolling hills. And the ground, it's raining so much now that there are small puddles in the shallower parts of the grass. You can see kind of running in tandem with you are these large wolf-like creatures, but they're kind of obscured by the darkness, and they kind of seem to almost be swimming through the long grass, and as you look forward, you see maybe 300 yards away, there's this massive wall that is spreading across the entire horizon, and as rain is pelting it, you see millions of these 
ripples of rainbow kind of breaking out all across. And Intuition kind of tells you the same spell that's on your carriage is where you're headed. You're headed towards something that has that kind of same magic and you're kind of driving towards it. You look around and you can see one, two, three of these wolves kind of chasing you. I draw my morning star and my shield uh, and I kind of ready myself on the back of the car. Wait, we 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 have our weapons on us? Yeah, you have the weapons that you were arrested with. <laughs> they didn't take them away? Well, I think we're going into like a survival situation, right? Yeah, they would have given you these things with the agreement you're going to need to survive in this new place and kind of eke out an existence. They, they made you unconscious before you got on the carriage, and then when you woke up, you had your weapons with you. But are we inside the walls or outside the walls? In the carriage, you're inside the walls, and you're driving towards this giant magic glowing wall that looks like it's made out of the same magical spell. Are we in... Do we know if we're in the country at this point, or we're still in the outskirts of it? Uh, everyone make a survival check. Or, any I mean, anyone who wants to know. <laughs> I'm rolling so well, it's a four. <laughs> Fifteen. Natural one. Glenn, you... Or Glenberry, you kind of look around, and as this forest kind of clears, just intuitively you kind of recognize the forest that you were around, and you think you're getting close to Keflandon, this province. You recognize this wall as some kind of magical barrier that stops certain things from passing through. Rain, obviously, is getting through. You have a feeling that you're getting really close. To to the inside of the country? Yeah. Okay. Well, why wouldn't I just escape, then, with my weapons? There's wolves outside the cart right now, but you can certainly try. I mean, if you want to jump off with the wolves, go for it. <laughs> I kind of jumped again on this because I was kind of predicting that you guys would try to jump out of the carriage and then that you guys wouldn't be able to because of this invisible wall. But then it started raining, so it kind of showed the wall before you guys got to test it. So So it's more of a cage. Oh, so there's a wall around the carriage. I thought I, I was picturing like we're coming up to a wall, which is the border of the country. Well, there's both. Yeah, so the same wall that intuitively you kind of sense is keeping you inside the carriage, although you guys haven't tried to get out of it, the same wall is um, is kind of the same magic. Um, Glenberry, you're kind of picking this up with your high wizard knowledge. It's the same kind of wall that you're coming towards. And the wolves are starting to get closer. This driver, he kind of curses under his breath, and he says, Everyone, get ready! And everybody, roll initiative. Right. That's a cool four. Okay. Uh, that's a that's 13. A, that's a nine. Okay, cool. So you guys all begin to get ready. You kind of stand up in this carriage. Um, but as the carriage is moving, there's kind of you kind of come over a, a bit of rough terrain. You guys are veering off the trail a little bit, and it, it kind of rattles, and it gives um, – these wolf-like creatures a good boost in their initiative and they they all begin to attack you so as one kind of runs up beside the carriage he goes and he tries to bite on Kyori's arm as he's holding his morning star and he's gonna roll to hit what's your ac uh 18 and he hits so this wolf which is um larger than a regular wolf he comes up and he bites onto your arm and he's going to do Seven points of damage as he bites on 
and he tries to pull you out of the carriage. Ouch, stop it, papas. <laughs> yeah, he bites on, and as he kind of throws off your balance, um, you kind of feel your face slam against this wall. That, um, And as you do, a big, bright ripple comes out of the wall, and it just kind of confirms that you can't really pass through this thing. And as the wolf bites on, he kind of falls off, and he keeps chasing you guys. And everyone make a uh, perception check. Natural one again. <laughs> Fifteen. I am freaking out, guys! I am freaking <laughs> out! Always gonna be alright, Poppy. I can't see anything! I can't survive! I don't know about uh, Mr. Skinny Legs over here. You two need to shut up! <laughs> Curie, you noticed that as the wolf was biting you, um, it didn't look like your regular wolf. This thing, its fur is not fur, but it seems to be these long, dark green pine needles all kind of coming out of its skin. Maybe that's one of the reasons you guys didn't notice them before. These things kind of camouflage perfectly in into the dark. It's a porcupine. I think I got bit by a tree. And the next one is going to attack from the other side, and it's going to jump up, and it's going to try to come into the cart, and at first it's going to try to land in there. And it does not! <laughs> it jumps shy, kind of bangs into the spoke of the cart, and kind of... And it's going to take... Uh, three points of bludgeoning damage. Mangy beast. <laughs> and uh, so, but it kind of like picks itself back up and keeps following you. And then the last cub is going to attack. This one definitely hits. He jumps in and he lands in the carriage as he kind of enters through. Uh, a huge ripple of light kind of goes through it. He lands in. You kind of hear the driver go, oh, bloody hell. And he's going to lunge at the closest person to him, which is Glenberry, and he's going to... Wait, I'm going to impose disadvantage with my protection fighting style. Uh, so as long as the creature is within five feet of me, I can use a reaction to give disadvantage on the attack. <sighs> Alright. Wow, this is what it's like to be a DM. And he... Freak me. He misses. So, what happens? You can describe that if you want. Yeah, so the... the the wolf lands in the back of the car and he goes to lunge at the skinny pale boy beside me and I leap forward and deflect the wolf's jaws away with my shield and it steps back. Disgusting. Glenberry, you kind of see these large, dark green fangs kind of coming at you before this shield kind of like punches it out of the way and you're like, <sighs> and now Jacob, you're up. I mean, sorry, Glenberry, you're up. All right. <clears throat> So there's a wolf in the cart, and there's two outside. All right, I'll uh, I'll focus on the um, wolf in the cart, and I'll just use a standard uh, fire uh, firebolt attack, which is a two d ten. Two d ten damage. Yeah, but okay. I have to go for damage first, obviously. Firebolt is one d ten, by the way. I think it's higher at level five. Oh, it does go up by level 5. Sorry, my bad. You freaking idiot! <laughs> go to your own freaking thing, Connor! <laughs> oh, go to your room! A 2d10 cantrip is pretty hardcore, man. That's I was I didn't think that was... Yeah, I'm freaking as hardcore as they come. <laughs> I'm, s- I'm so fucking badass. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea of my power! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a noble! <laughs> you can't do this to me! Okay, um... 
Yeah, uh, so I'm just going to use Firebolt, uh, and I'd like to try and do that. Okay. That is a 14. Um, that hits. And it just goes and it kind of catches this thing kind of like half in the face and kind of down its back um, and roll damage. It's a seven. And then another seven. Holy smokes, 14 damage? Yes. Damn. Okay, so this this fire kind of cascades off this thing, and as the firebolt kind of hits it, um, you're used to your attacks um, being pretty daunting, um, but with the rain and um, the wind, it doesn't seem to do as much damage as you're used to uh, your victims kind of experiencing. It does, does hurt. It kind of yelps and backs up a little bit, um, but not as much as you maybe thought it should. My power is absolute poor doggo. Curie, <laughs> <laughs> you're up. Um, is the dog still in the back of the cart? Yep. Alright. Well, it's time to put this silly puppers down. And I'm going to step forward and smash him in the face with my morning star. Okay, roll the hit. That's a uh, 20 not natural. Okay, that hits. Yep. And that's a 14. 14 damage, okay. No, sorry, 13 to hit. Sorry, I rolled I rolled, I rolled. rolled to attack twice. Oh, you attacked twice? Yeah. Okay, so okay, so your 13. first attack hits, second attack just misses. So as you swing your morning star, it kind of like bludgeons this thing in the shoulder. Um, the pine needles seem to kind of like deflect some of the damage. It kind of moves out of the way the second morning star thing just kind of cleaves past and smashes into the wall of the carriage and the carriage kind of splinters a little bit it's not a very you know well constructed carriage uh roll damage for the first attack uh that is nine damn okay um this thing kind of yelps and you can see some green uh blood kind of start to ooze up between all the pine needles and it kind of snarls at you um poppy you're up Seeing the smash and the fire hit the the pupper, uh, Poppy just plugs her nose and it's like, Wolf Club Berry! Jeez! It smells like a campfire in here now! <laughs> I kind of like it. Stop. Okay, what am I going to do? Okay, guys, I got stuff. Um, Zone of Truth. Uh, <laughs> we could we could find out their secrets. Hey, we both have that. That's nice. We could use the gossip against them. Uh, other stuff I've got. I could cure its wounds. Kind of counterproductive. Oh, I got something. Okay. Uh, Glenberry and Carrie, uh, put your arms together. And, like, like you're going to carry something together. Like, you're going to hold, like, cup your hands and arms and stuff. It's Kuori. And why should I even consider that? Because this is going to be the best freaking plan you've ever seen. No. I refuse. Okay. Glenberry fine. doesn't do it. <laughs> okay, fine. All right, I'll keep Okay, Carrie. <laughs> Get ready. Oh. It's going to go right into your arms, okay? Wait, what's going to my arms? This. And I create food and water. It's a third level conjuration spell. <laughs> oh I can create gosh. 45 pounds of food and 30 gallons of water on the ground <laughs> or in containers within range. Um, and it's enough to sustain up to 15 people or five horses for 24 hours. The food is bland but not nourishing. And it spoils if uneaten. So it's like, I don't know, just like regular food. But it's, it's food nonetheless. So all this water and food just goes pouring on Carrie's body and his arms, and like it's too much for him to hold, obviously, so it's falling out. Why can't I hold all these limes? <laughs> I want him 
and all the rest of the food to kind of distract and, and get the, the dogs off our tail. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to roll. Carrie, throw it! All right. And the... So as Cory is flipping laden with all of this food, some of it is, like, uncooked food, maybe, like raw beef and everything, and he's just... Yeah, l- and 30 gallons of water. And so it just poured on. And the water just kind of catches on all the food, and it's, like, pouring down, and, like, mushrooms, and corn, and carrots, and beef, and pastries, all just kind of start... Well, no, it's bland food, so it's really poorly made, and it's all <laughs> going everywhere, blending in with the water, crumbs are getting all over you, and the water just actually comes down and kind of like douses the wolf a little bit and kind of like gets in its way and the food kind of hits it and it's going to make uh, well and it and it failed its dexterity saving throw so it kind of falls under an apple and a banana and it's it's now kind of prone on its back this will, this reminds me of one of the many feasts of House Glenberry <laughs> <laughs> you're probably missing out that you're probably sad you didn't catch any of it now aren't you I'm <laughs> And then, and then, as you guys kind of look up and you guys kind of look for where the other two wolves are, the wall is kind of is really, really close to you guys. Maybe like six, ten more seconds or so, and you're going to be passing through. And uh, the driver just says, "Just hold on a bit longer." But as he says that, uh, another wolf jumps back out and tries to bite on to Poppy, who's kind of had backed away, and she's kind of towards the edge of the carriage, and he's going to roll to hit. What's your AC, Poppy? I'm going to protect her. My AC? Yeah, your AC. 16. Yeah. And I'm going to impose disadvantage and protect her. Okay. Oh, sorry, it's 15. 15. <sighs> Don't even need to re-roll. Okay. Yeah, and so, man, Curie is just, like, on the ball, because as he's kind of spinning around, he sees this other wolf creature thing jumping out, and it's about to sink its teeth into Poppy, but he lowers his shield again and just kind of, like... <coughs> And it kind of smacks away. And as you guys look up, you guys pass through this threshold of this wall. You feel this weird sensation go through your body as as the carriage kind of breaks through. And as it does, you can see the walls that are being perpetually illuminated by the rain around your carriage disappears as you guys enter this, this region. And you kind of feel this lightness kind of come up on you as you realize that you're no longer confined to the, the to the carriage and, and he says oh, good we made it uh, says the rider and then that's when the second wolf is going to attack and he does he jumps out and he bites onto the driver's neck and he sinks his teeth in and he kind of goes, ah! He stops making noise <laughs> as he kind of like gets pushed out of the carriage. And as he does, as he kind of falls out with the wolf kind of biting onto him, he kind of pulls the reins and the horses kind of turn crazily and the carriage begins to go up on one wheel. Everybody make a dexterity saving throw. Whoa. Oh no, I liked him. That's a Six. natural one. <laughs> I had a natural I had a 20. <laughs> oh, wow. And you got six, Poppy? Yeah. Okay, so, Curie, you just go totally sprawling. You had just lost your balance because you reached out your arm to kind of stop Poppy from being bitten. And as you go, 
you kind of you land on the ground. You're gonna take one d6 of bludgeoning damage, and you're gonna lose your morning start in the grass as you fall. What? Oh no! And uh, Seth, it's not much better for you. You kind of just fall backwards, and, and you kind of fall out, and you're gonna take one d6 falling damage as well. So you guys can roll for that. Glenn Barrett, you kind of see this whole thing happening. You kind of predicted that something would happen when you entered the wall, and so even though no turbulence came because of the wall, you were still bracing for it, and you just kind of basically do like a light hop skip, and you're still in the carriage as it kind of settles, and the horses come to a stop maybe like 20 feet up ahead of the carriage, and you're still standing in there. The second cub you can see is his tail is kind of sticking up out of the tall grass, and you can hear some kind of like going on there. Um, oh, shoot, I guess the, the wolf that's in the carriage also had to make a dexterity saving throw and he goes flying and uh he's somewhere in the tall grass glenberry it's your turn um so there's one of the wolves got flown into the tall grass there yeah and i and i didn't take any damage from that kind of tumble there yeah you're still in the carriage although it's come to a stop it's because of the butt muscles i've developed for sitting on my dad's throne all over these years, my own little throne beside beside its throne, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I was able to perfectly clench just enough that I didn't move a single muscle. <laughs> you grabbed them to a post with your ass, <laughs> <laughs> and you're it, like wrapped around it, just like it's like a third hand. <laughs> <laughs> Observe regalness, fellows. <laughs> you. you will never be at this rank. <laughs> Uh, uh, so, did I, uh, so, because it, I was, like, hardly even phased by this, did I see where the wolf went flying into the grass? Like, can I still see him? Uh, make a perception check for me. Seems a little ridiculous, but... <laughs> uh, I have dark vision as well, can I get an advantage? Uh, I'll, I'll no, I'll, I'll lower the AC for you. Okay. Or the DC. Perception, you said? Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a seven. Yeah, you get a general idea that it flew off to your left as you turn around, but you can't tell where it is. You can see that there's one that's attacking the driver, but the other two, their location is lost to you. Okay, I'll get the one attacking the, the driver then. Okay. I'll use Firebolt again. Okay. Roll to hit. You shoot, but you're feeling your butt is clenched so tight that you don't really have the flexibility, and the firebolt just kind of strays off, and it kind of lights up the night. <laughs> My arms are a little weak. I have yet to hold Dada's scepter. <laughs> <laughs> it's too heavy for the prince. Jura, you're up. Um, having dropped my morning star, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig around in the grass to see if I can find it. Do a an investigation check. That's a straight 18. You, you know, as you're falling, you kind of just, like, do some math in your head. You're like, okay, so, like, the trajectory of, like, when the, the wheel lifted and the speed yeah, that we were going. Math. You're like, do, 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 do. yeah, I can just kind of track and, like, you can kind of see, like, the arch and, like, the mathematical radius of it kind of going, like, oh, it should be, like, in this area. And you basically just, like, reach down without even looking down. You just grab it and you just kind of stand up and you've lost 10 feet of movement because uh, you were prone and you had to stand up, but... Now you're, you're on your feet. Uh, do I still have my actions and everything? Yeah, sure. 
Okay. Uh, well, in that case, I want to use uh, the rest of my movement uh, to run over to the wolf on the driver, and I'm going to cast Hunter's Mark as a bonus action on it. Okay. And Hunter's Mark, for the next hour, it's concentration. Uh, every time I hit the enemy, I do an extra 1d6 damage. Whoa, um, okay. As it's my chosen adversary right now. Uh, and so Hunter's Mark is on it, and I then I'm going to swing twice with my Morningstar. Okay, roll the hit. Uh, that's a 15. Okay, that'll hit. And that's a... Oh, uh, 20... 25. <laughs> yeah, that hits. Roll damage. All right. So... And you get plus a d6 to both attacks, right? Yes. Okay, cool. So that's 26 points of damage. Holy! 26? Well, it's... Yeah, it was 2d8 plus 2d6 plus 8. So... You basically run up to this thing, and it's kind. Of, you can hear some kind of struggling, and hear some like, "Oh, stop! Help!" You just kind of swing your morning star where you see like the hollow spot of long grass, and you feel this like, this like sick kind of crunch. You hear this painful yelp, and then you just kind of bring it back again, and you bring it back the other way. You hear this yelp kind of get cut short. You kind of stand and you smell like tree sap and pine needles. And you're being kind of like soaked in blood, soaked in rain, as you stand there with your Morningstar and your shield. And there's a, a dead thing in front of you. Why are the trees eating people? <laughs> Poppy, you're up. I'm lying face down in the dirt. I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> Is there was any of the like bananas and apples? Did any of them land near me since I landed kind of near Carrie? Um, they're all over the Who place, man. I reach over, like still face in the dirt, and I grab a banana and I just slide it underneath my face and start eating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's my turn. Perfect. Okay, so as I'm sitting there and you're momently, you know. Uh, you find some solace in the deliciousness of this banana. Uh, actually, no, you don't find much solace because it's a bland banana. It doesn't really satisfy you. Uh, you this is shit! You hear some kind of like rustling behind you. And as you turn... Um, as you turn, you see this wolf lunge at you. But as you turn, it kind of just misses. Maybe it slips on the, it slips on the banana peel. You throw the banana peel away, and it and this thing nips right beside you, right beside you, and it's basically right on top of you, and it's gonna want to attack you again. But that's its turn. Ew! 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 Get it off! Get it off! Glenn, you're standing in the carriage still, um, and you're kind of unclenching your butt. You're kind of like trying to unwedge it. You see some long grass, kind of like, kind of coming up towards you, and you see a wolf jump out. And what's your AC? My AC is uh 13 yeah this thing definitely gets you so it kind of it comes out and it lands in the carriage and it kind of takes a moment to get its balance and then it's going to nip at your leg and it bites on and grabs your ankle and sinks its teeth in and it's going to do uh 10 points of damage to you as it kind of crunches down and you feel your bone kind of crack a little bit 
And uh, that ends its turn. You're up. Mangy beast! <laughs> um, I don't know why I insist on doing <laughs> that accent some of the time. It's like <laughs> zippy crawling in. Alright, um, is he still locked onto my arm? Your ankle. My ankle, sorry. Guess I'll just die. <laughs> no, no, no. It's for the best. That's what I was planning on doing. Uh, no, I, I just, I'll, I'll do Firebolt again on this thing. Okay. It doesn't deserve to live. Okay, it's right next Except to you. It's touching me. It's literally biting onto your ankle, so I'll give you advantage on this attack. Okay. <laughs> sure. Um, that sounds nice. 17. 17. Do I, do, yeah, do that hits. Again or, okay. Yeah, that hits, yeah. Um, well, you know what, you might as well roll again, you might get a 20. Uh, four. Okay, yeah, you hit. <laughs> uh, and now I'll roll 2d10. Five. And then an eight. Um, f- so 13. Okay, wow. This thing is biting onto you, and it lets go as your flame kind of ignites its face. And you can see some of the pine needles kind of, as the force of the fireball hits it, they kind of break off in clumps. And you see some raw, uh, dark green, uh, bloody patches along its snout and muzzle. And it yelps, and it looks very bloody. It looks like it's uh, on death's door. You have movement if you want. Uh, I sit back down on the bench on the the carriage. <laughs> All right. I should not exert myself <laughs> if I get too angry. Okay. Uh, no one knows what could happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, you might not be done the sentence. Okay. All right, I think until he says period. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Okay, so seeing as the one wolf uh, or whatever pine bush is dead... Uh, the other last thing I kind of heard was uh, a wolf, like, jumping on Poppy because she had fallen down. So I'm going to turn back around uh, to look for her. I'm going to go running off, and I'm going to swing twice uh, at the uh, at the wolf attacking Poppy. Okay, roll the hit. I think I know how this is going to go. I'm just reading something. I should have done that. He's doing the math in his head. No, no, I'm... I, You'll I get it, buddy. My, I was checking Too my other nice abilities. Wait, push forward. Push forward. <laughs> 21. Um, what? That is 23 to hit. Okay, yeah, that'll hit. And that is... That's so high, it's going to hit me as well, and that idiot. Is tw- <laughs> that's 25 to hit. Yeah, so you basically come in... And you bring your mall down or your morning star down one two, uh, roll to hit. I mean, roll damage. Uh, that's eighteen altogether. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. This thing is not happy. It has like a big missing patch of pine needles in its side, and it's yelping, and it kind of like backs away, kind of like on three legs. <laughs> Poppy, it is your go. So it's off of my back now. Yeah. Uh, I'm still, like, face down in the dirt, and I'm like, I, and I'm just yelling into my half-eaten banana in front of my face. I'm like, I had it under control! 
and I reach over. I just like look out of the corner of my eye, and I reach my hand out, and I cast Sacred Flame at the, at the wolf. Nice. Okay, roll the hit. <clears throat> so the target must succeed on a dexterity saving throw, which is a DC of 15. Oh, right, okay. Uh, or take 2d8 radiant damage. Uh, it saves. Okay, well, it takes half. Does it take half? So screw you! I'm not sure if on Sacred Flame it does. Actually, no, I, don't, I think it misses. Sorry, man. Yeah, it just says it either succeeds or takes the damage. So. Yeah, it doesn't. If it's a cantrip, it's just no damage. Well, fine. You're too busy going down on your banana, man. So that's. Sorry, that sounded way worse than I meant it to. So then. It was the flame from my heart. Yeah, so the sacred flame kind of shoots off. Do you do anything else? Uh, I stand up from the prone position and I'm just like, just carry, take care of it. I'm done. I'm done with this. And I, I try, like, I'm getting ready to walk away. Uh, I'm over this. It's okay. glory. And you, do you walk away? No, I get up, and I think that should be like all of it. I'm just going to get up and just turn around. I don't even look at and it. And you see the wolf go, ah, darn, I thought I was going to get an attack of opportunity. So it has to wait till its turn, which is now, and it's going to attack you because it sees you as definitely the easier threat. Okay, sure. In his eyes, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to protect Poppy. Uh, and it it misses badly. Ugh. So yeah, it goes to bite, but it, it only has one leg on a, one front leg working. So it kind of makes like a sad attempt to kind of bite at you. It's like, well, you know, it's too late to go back now. And you just kind of like, hey, you kind of like step in the way, and it goes, and it kind of like backs away. And it's gonna take a moment to assess. It's gonna realize this sucks, and he's gonna make a break for it. He's gonna run. So it turns and starts to peel away into the long grass and the, and the darkness and the storm. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's running away. It gets 40 feet away from you. The wolf on the carriage that is attacking Glenn, it's going to go in for another attack while he's sitting there. And it definitely hits. And he's going to go in and sink his teeth in again. He's going to do... Uh, another eight points of damage. Hey, hey, Glenn, are you doing all right over there? No. <laughs> oh, just why does these dogs keep attacking me? Do you need some help? <laughs> Glenn, no. as a noble, was trained to hide his emotions in every situation. <laughs> Being attacked, I will not speak. Um, yeah, well, you, Glenn, you're up. You get stabbed in the heart, and he would just look <laughs> them dead in the eye. <laughs> I refuse help from any, any sort of mangy beast such as these dogs or you, sir. Well, that was really <laughs> He right. says as he goes unconscious. <laughs> All right, enjoy diff. From my comfy little bench on the side of the carriage, I think to myself, where did I go wrong? Why did I end up with these? Um, and so I use Firebolt on this dog. <laughs> okay, roll the hit. <laughs> I love how the inner monologue, inner monologue of Glenberry is is so much more dramatic than he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and refined. What, and refined. What it's like the noble he wants to be. What has brought me to this place? <laughs> Do you think that I... 
Oh, yeah. I'll fuck my stuff. Die! Die! Alright. Firebolt DM! Yeah, roll it, roll the hit. The 16! <laughs> okay, that hits. And now I roll 2d10s. Yeah. It's a 6. And a 6. Boom. You light this mother up and it just... And it kind of collapses on the... Car- or, or, you know what? The fireball is so strong, it just kind of... And it falls out of the back of the carriage. And just starts kind of like burning in the long grass. And the flame starts to die as the rain continues to kind of douse it. You look around, and there's a, cr- a peal of lightning just streaks across the sky. It lights everything up in that kind of bright blue just for an instant. And you can see the wall kind of behind you that's still getting lit up by all the rain. You see forests to your left and right, and you're kind of in this clearing. And there's more forest kind of behind you where this trail leads. And you see, you know what, make a perception check for me. Everybody, or just Glenn? Uh... <coughs> You know what? Yeah, everybody. Why not? 18. Uh, 15. 10. Poppy, you don't see this. You're, like, looking away, arms akimbo, like... <laughs> but the both of you guys, you see this first uh, wolf kind of running away, and it kind of comes up out of a clearing of tall grass, and by now it's 70 feet away. It kind of comes to a stop, and you see on the crest of a rolling hill... Um, right outside of this magical wall, kind of where you came from, um, there is a large beast just sitting there, and on top of it is uh, another creature, and who rolled 18 again? Uh, I did, Glenberry. Through this, um, this shimmering wall, you can see that it is a warg, and there's a goblin sitting on top of it, and he just looks at you, and as the wolf, the small wolf kind of clears the path and kind of comes up, it kind of goes and takes a little spot beside the warg and the goblin. And there's a kind of a strange pause. And then he kind of like snaps his reins and the warg kind of gets up. And they both start walking, cantering away before they're lost in sight of the bright wall in the rain. And battle initiative is over. It is pouring rain. Um, you guys are soaked. Glenn, you're in the carriage, the horses have come to a stop, and there is um, a bleeding person at your feet, Kura. Kuori. Um, Kuori. Uh, <laughs> this is it? Adam, you need, like, <laughs> Adam, get it down right now. Kuori. Kuori. Just say carry like me, it's so much yeah, easier. Kuri. It's okay. not that difficult. Kuori. 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 Kuori, yeah. yeah. It's like quarry, but kuori. Yeah. Like a go. quarry. Oh! No, but not quarry. <laughs> it's not quarry. It's like quarry, but like kuori. Okay, uh, sorry. So the driver's still bleeding? Like, did, did Poppy get up? Um, Poppy's already standing. Yeah, I'm up. Okay. Uh, I kind of jaunt over to uh, the driver and see how he's doing. Okay, yeah. You get up to him and you kind of clear the grass and he is lying there, um, and his eyes kind of like flitter open. He's got like these deep gashes in his neck. You can kind of tell he like he's alive, but you're not sure how much longer he will be alive for. I will heal him then. Okay. 
I have an ability called Lay on Hands as a Paladin, where I've got a pool of hit points that I can just give to people. Uh, and I'm going to give him five. You kind of put your hand out on him, laying out of hands, and the wounds in his neck stitch up a little bit. They don't close entirely, but you can see some things are knitting together. He kind of like gasps, like, <gasps> oh, what was his voice? Um, whoa, I'm, I'm not dead. That's, that's crazy. And he kind of, and he kind of sits up and he winces as he does, and he says, "Is the carriage gone?" Uh, no, I think um, uh, Mister Strawberry is in the cart still. We gotta get back in there. We gotta keep going. And he starts, without even acknowledging you guys, start making his way back to the carriage. Uh, you're welcome, I guess. I was gonna say, Puppy, you wanna get back in the cart? Actually, I don't, because Carrie, what you just did right now was extremely offensive. What did, what did I do? And it's cool, Reaper. I am the cleric of the team. I literally specified that. My one thing I can do is healing, and you take that away from me. I'm a, I'm a paladin. It's kind of part of the job. As well as to help people, I can't. I can't exactly just not help people. Okay, fine. I won't heal anymore. That's that's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> that's not. It just doesn't really. This doesn't need to be a thing, Poppy. You made it a thing, and I get in the car. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and I climb into the car as well. So you're all in there, and this driver, he kind of. Before he kind of gets back in, like, the riding compartment or, like, where he would, like, drive the horses, he kind of stops and he turns to you guys and he looks at you and you can recognize now that you're kind of on the same level as him that he's actually a dwarf. He's not super tall and his only, barely his shoulder comes up to this carriage and then he looks at you, Curie, and he says, Hey, listen, I, I don't mean to be brusque. I, I'm appreciative that you saved my, that you saved me. I just got a pl- I got a job to do, and I'm gonna get you to Carwick. Carwick is that was the settlement's called? That's the village that you're going to. Yeah. All right. But listen, I I appreciate what you did. And he he reaches inside his um, cloak, and he has a small like leather pouch, and he gives it to you, or at least he holds it out to you. Oh, what's this? And I take it. Thank you. No, I, I take it. it. I take. I take it. What? I said it no, first. No, I was in the middle of saying I take it. Both of you make <laughs> it. <laughs> you he not. handed it. He handed it to me. Like, like as I, I, as I, he's saying, "What's this?" He's like taking the pet. Can I make a check to see if I can like sneak in there and like take it? Yeah, both of you dexterity checks. Nineteen. That's a four. Just be ready to pay the consequences. Okay, I take it. Does no one see that my ankle is bleeding? <laughs> you help you help our silly driver who got us into this mess and not me, the one who keeps this area calm. This this area <laughs> we're sitting in. I kept it safe. Poppy, you should give that back. You just stole that from me. He was giving it to me, and that's stealing. Wait, let me check. Hold on. What's inside? So Did no one hear what I just said? Hold on, Raspberry. I'll help you in a minute. Excuse me. Uh, well, Poppy, you you look inside. You see um, two things in there. You see a small collection of silver pieces, maybe like ten or so. And you also see a small, um, looks like a wooden button. But on it, um, there is etched, and, and it's raining on it as you can open it. There is like this small etching of a skull that's in the pouch. Um, 
and that's all that there is in there. I try to take the pouch from her hands. I give it back to Carrie, and I'm like, there's no food in here. <laughs> Kuori still thinks he stole it back. <laughs> <laughs> like, even though, like, Poppy clearly was handing it back to him, Kuori thinks he took it and that he was really clever. Um, I told you, Poppy, don't steal from people. I can't let things like that go, okay? Well, if we're all criminals, why does it make any difference? I was just hungry! We'll be... I thought it was food. I thought it was, like, for the team. Jeez. Well, no, I... If you're all criminals, we all here paying your sentences, right? So you've already paid your punishment. But if you keep committing crimes, well, then you'll have to pay for those, too. Oh, so are you now the judge, jury, and executioner? Uh, yes. I'm... That's... Yeah, that's kind of in the job. Does he actually think that? Yeah. <laughs> I slide over to Glenberry. He- <laughs> Your character thinks he's now the, like, <laughs> judge, jury, and executioner of this place. Yeah, well, like, not, like, not like, uh, like, of, like, formally of the country, like, he's in charge, but, like, as a paladin, and in these situations that he's in, yeah. It's a little short-sighted, I'd say. Even more than my guy. Definitely. I slide over to Glenbury on his bed, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, um, so I could heal you. Yeah, well, aren't you, like, the true healer? Yeah. Thank you. Yes, I am. But... Look, I don't have any scraps, if that's what you're going to ask. I see you have something <laughs> to do with food. I was going to ask, not for food, but for a favor. Just a little one. Just a little tiny one. Just a little... I'm doing one, you please. a favor by even coming this close to me. I will stop your bleeding and heal you. Just a, li- just a little favor. Come on, it'll be fun. You'll love it. I heal Glenbury for ten points. I reject your healing, and I kick you away. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can you do that? Can you reject it? Stop healing people! <laughs> Stop! I'm doing it! What do you want? What do I want? What do you want? I'm interested. <laughs> I just saw your butt moves. <laughs> and I kind of want some training. <laughs> um, you'd have to sit on a throne for, like, 20 years. Uh, can you think you can do that in, what, maybe an hour? Is that what you try to get out of this? <laughs> yes! Yes, exactly. I just want to... You probably know a faster way. I don't. And it takes a lot of hard work. <laughs> um, let's get to healing. That was a quick favor. Uh, more of a more of an answer that should be good enough for you. <laughs> that was an answer! Come on. Okay, fine. How about... And I whisper into his ear. You just do a little shoplifting for me. Um, I'm not a criminal. Okay, um, how about gold? Oh, so you, now you want my family's treasure? Is that it? I'm, j- I'm trying to get... S- okay, so fine. you are a thief. Uh, okay. Can um, I just redeem a favor uh, at some point? Big boy, uh, Paladin, uh, get over here. I'll, yeah. I'll accept your healing now. Okay, okay no, okay, I'll do it. I'll go. do it for free. I'll do it for I'll free. Just let for, me do I this. I for 10 points. No, I'm healing I heal him. I want to heal. <laughs> I want to cure. No, hit his, I hit his hands away. I tried no, to hit his hands away. I, I heal him for 10 points. I want Can I try to hit his hands away? By your rules, I already said I did. Um, this feels right at home everyone fighting over me (laughs) (laughs) Um, just proves I'm I try to hit his hands away so I can be the one to cure him you can try with disadvantage dexterity what am I is it another dexterity competition or could it be strength uh strength cool (laughs) he has 300 pounds muscle I got 8 
<laughs> Don't worry. I got eight. Oh, and I'll so give you, 15. and Connor, I'll give you dis- I, I'll give you advantage. Okay, let's make it even higher. That's a oh, that's a twenty, not natural. <laughs> and what did you get, Seth? I got an eight. Okay, yeah. So you're like, no, no. And you're like slapping his arm away, but he just kind of moves his Goliath hand onto the wizard and heals him ten points. Okay, wait. Cure wounds. Cure wounds at second level on on Glumberg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, ro- roll. I guess. Okay. While you're rolling this, the driver kind of like looks at you guys like, uh, and he kind of goes and he kind of painfully climbs back into the driver's seat and grabs the reins and is getting ready to go. <laughs> All he sees is a scene of two, two, two people just placing hands on me. Over <laughs> over no, I want to touch him. No, let me touch That's him. That's 21 points of healing. And I look at Glenberry. I'm like, which did you prefer? Huh? Huh? <laughs> Any type of hands on me is more of a blessing for you than it is for me. So I think no! it's more of an interesting question of how you felt about that. <laughs> Glenn! Uh, I'm just going to top myself up, by the way. Hey, guys, and the, dri- the driver kind of turns back and looks at you guys, and then he kind of gestures towards Glenberry, and, and then seeing this whole interaction, he says, So are you the leader of this crew? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. Uh, so- obviously, as the royal. I don't think we... I'm okay with that. What? We did... Sure. All right, so it doesn't really matter who's the leader here, but... For now, I'm going to talk to you. What's your name? You said it was Glenn? Uh, Glenberry Tutulio. All right, so look. House Tutulio. This is, this is how it's going Third to go. Third of his name. This is how it's going to go. I'm going to take Crown you. Prince. <laughs> I'm going to take you and your friends to Colwick, and I'm going to drop you off. Um, and- they're not my friends. They're more like my workers. I think we made that clear with just this past minute. Okay, you and your I'm associates. more of an objective third party who just makes sure everybody um, does, be good. Uh, you both... Uh, but you're the worst uh, I'm glad all. to have you both on board. Listen, uh, we're going to get to Colwick. I would appreciate it if you didn't tell anyone about this attack. Why would you be out of a job? He kind of pauses, and he... Yeah, he just pauses. He says, it just wouldn't look good for me. I'll have you know that if I find any officials who are in charge of this operation, that they'll be hearing from me immediately about this. My ankle. Uh, but but Glenn, Glenn, you were healed. It's um, I. Why should I do anything for you when you haven't even done anything for us? Why? In what world does that does that even make sense? Roll um an intimidation check for me. Royal intimidation. <laughs> I dun, 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 dun. impress <laughs> even my enemies. That is a 16. Okay, yeah, he says, now Listen, listen, uh, I'm sure we can work out a deal. Tell you what, when we get there, that crystal, and he, and he shows you this stone kind of hanging up on this lamppost, he says, You can have it. You'll need it where you're going. And how about your tongue as well for talking to me like that? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> He kind of turns and he snaps the reins, kind of recognizing that talking to you is not really a good idea. And the cart kind of lurches forward and you begin traveling. And for the sake of the podcast, you ride for a couple more hours and then you kind of crest this hill. And you see this modest town spreading out before you called Cawick. Um There's no walls. It's just a collection of... Maybe a um, hundred houses or so, and a couple of buildings of two stories. Um, and there's a river c- kind of cutting right through it. And from where you are, you can see 
there are like maybe three or four bridges there, and uh, that that kind of go throughout the city or the village. And as you guys ride closer, the sun is beginning to rise, and that's where we're going to take a break. Hey guys, Adam here at OneShotDM, and by now you should know not only the voice of Normandy, but also of Peterson, who's had a grand total of five lines. We hope you are enjoying the one-shot so far. It's called A Land Untamed. Honestly, this whole exercise of DMing has given me a much deeper respect for DMs all over the world. This is my first time DMing for this crew, and it's one of my first times DMing ever, and all i got to say is to all the DMs out there, we at Tebow by the Dungeon salute you. You guys deserve a round of applause. couple quick announcements. First off, we're doing a giveaway. Who doesn't like free stuff? Are we giving away dice? No. Player's Handbook? No. A Tebow by the Dungeon calendar with all of us posing in it? No, that's next month's giveaway. So starting today on Twitter, we're giving away minis of the Cheever by the Dungeon crew. Not the actors, but like the characters. Darian, Norman, and Zippy, they look awesome. Hand-painted. Normandy obviously looks the best because he's a flippin' demon lord, but the others look great too. And we're giving them away for free on Twitter. So go follow us there, and there's instructions on our Twitter page. Second announcement, if you like this one shot, A Land Untamed, good news, it will be for sale when our next announcement, or sorry, when our next episode releases. Not as a one shot, but as a full campaign guide for a campaign from levels one to five. That means notes for the DM about the NPCs, their backstories, lore for the kingdom, hidden loot in the world with homemade items, homebrew monsters made just for the province, maps, and more. At least that's the goal. Knock on wood. It is a lot to tie together. If all goes well, that means it will be available for download as a PDF, both on our Patreon page and as a flat-out purchase on our website. Details will come out in more detail on our next episode. Which brings me to announcement three. I goofed. Our next episode is not coming out next Tuesday. Unfortunately, with the launch of A Land Untamed, as well as the one-shot, um, we just aren't able to swing an episode next week. But... We will be releasing our next regular episode the Tuesday after, so September 24th, and we'll be going back to our every other Tuesday schedule after that. Fourth and final announcement is we have a new sponsor, and it's you. So not really new, but still our sponsor. As always, your five-star reviews on your podcast platform of choice helps us more than we can say because online it is the one thing that helps us more than anything else to spread the word of Cheaper by the Dungeon. And even better than that, if you've enjoyed this one-shot episode so far, or you're a regular listener to the show, you should tell your friends about it. And you should tell your family about it, because if you like it, they'll like it too, because they love you and the things that you like. Alright guys, that's everything. Thanks for listening, and back to the one-shot. And we're back. Welcome to the second half. So you guys are kind of coming down this hill, going going into this village. You can kind of see this river running perpendicular to the angle that you're in, kind of entering the village at. You notice first, like right away, that there are no walls. There's a couple small smokestacks rising up. Immediately, the carriage kind of turns to the left and kind of kind of circles around the village until it gets to a bit of like a bigger road kind of entering. And it's like the main entrance. And he kind of stops... And he gets out of the carriage and he says, All right, welcome to your new home. I don't know how long... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I don't know how long you're going to be here, but... 
this is where you're living. You're supposed to go in there. And he points down the road, and you can see kind of this broken down um, temple, maybe like 100 feet away. It's made out of stone, and it's like a two-and-a-half-story building. So it's taller than everything else there. Everything else looks kind of like... It's wood built on top of stone foundations. They're built, like, whoever's building here is building off of an old ruin. And they're trying to make the best of it and kind of make it into a town. The temple's kind of like the only thing that's really still standing from what was originally built there. And he kind of points and says, that's where you gotta go. Uh, alright. Glenbury, the stone. Yeah, what about my stone you promised? He's about to snap the reins when he goes, Ugh. Right. Uh... So he kind of climbs up and he kind of grabs a stone and it's about the size of uh, like a baseball. And he gives it to you and he says, you'll thank me for this later. You don't realize how valuable this is. You may present it to me properly. <laughs> he gets in his carriage and starts to drive away. So did I get the stone or not? And he kind of like, yeah, yeah, he gives it, he gives it to you. <laughs> okay. um, what do you guys do? What an awful stone this is. If you want it, I'll take it. Uh, yeah, um, does this look like it was presented to you? It may be an awful stone, but it's mine for now. No, that's fair. I just figured, uh, well, you know, Poppy might take it, because it was presented to someone else, and she tries to take it anyway. Do you have uh, any idea what property means? Why would you just take something? If I was um, to give it to you, you would offer something to me. Maybe offer yourself? Maybe you offer g- some type of land you have. That'd be pretty typical, <laughs> huh? Your type. Have you ever given a gift before? Uh, yeah, I'm giving a gift of my presence to all of you right now. I'll take that as a no, then. Yeah, Poppy, make a perception check. Ten. Ten. Okay, so you don't notice them until they're almost right on top of you guys, but you kind of look over as the two other two are kind of conversing. You look over and you see a dragonborn woman walking up to you, and she's kind of, she's got like a, a cream or like a beige colored cloak draped around her, and you recognize her right away as another cleric. Not the same uh, deity as you, but in the same kind of realm of teaching. And it looks like she's come out of the temple and she says, Oh, it it looks like we have new villages. Um, hello, ah, ah, my name ah, is Kor. Where did you come from? I didn't even notice you come up on me. Don't do that. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to startle you. I Jeez. and she kind of gestures back, gestures back to the temple. She says, "I'm from there. I'm, uh, we knew that we were supposed to get new villages um, soon, but uh, you guys are early. You're not supposed to arrive for a couple of hours. Um, where's where's Sengris? Is that the is that the cart guy? Yes, lovely man. Yeah, he he left. Uh, we had a, a little bit of a runner with some um, some trees that were trying to eat us. What is? Well, is he okay? Oh uh, well, he got. She bit looks, a little she bit, looks but, very concerned. But I healed him with my superior healing skills. Yeah, we healed um, him together. I healed him with my superior healing skills. And, Anyways, uh, we are way. the three villagers you're looking for. Hello, where's the red carpet? Um, well, no red carpet here, as, uh, 
as I'm sure you're aware, we're all criminals, and uh, we kind of have to make the best with the hand we've been given. If you guys will come with me, I have some soup on for you guys that you guys can eat. It's made from, like, really organic vegetables and potatoes, a little bit of venison that we have uh, dried. Two, please. Tarragon on there, too. It's going to be really yummy. I follow. Yeah, and she starts walking towards the the temple, and you can see just, like, kind of in some of the houses... Um, you can hear some people stirring, some people kind of snoring. Um, maybe one room is lit with a small little uh, cooking fire in the chimney. And she kind of leads you guys to the temple. As you guys go inside, you notice that um, there are a bunch of old kind of like columns kind of leading up to the main entrance. And a lot of these columns are broken down and worn with rain and wind. Um, but there's a couple that are still unblemished. And they look like they have statues of um, some, like, paladins. And another one has, like, a statue of, a like, a fighter with, like, these long swords. And they're, they're carved beautifully. And she kind of leads you right through into this huge kind of sanctuary. All the chairs are pushed off to the sides. A lot of them are broken anyway. And up at the front dais, um, there's a little campfire. And right over it is a, is a big cast iron pot. And you can smell something delicious coming from there. Mmm, I could, I could go for a snack. I'm gonna walk over to the smell. Um, excuse me. Um, could I have a little bite to eat? Yeah, well, of course. Here, and she grabs like a little hollowed-out wooden bowl, and she kind of ladles some soup in for you. And she says, "It's not as meaty as I would like. We we don't have any hunters right now, so we kind of have to take what we can get." And she kind of kind of holds the bowl out to you. And uh, she kind of waves the other two, Glenberry and Poppy, in and says, Do you guys want some? Two, please. Like, two bowls for you or one for each? Um, one, one is for uh, um, uh, a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. And she just kind of grabs these two bowls and kind of serves them and, and then uh, hands them to you guys and gives you some spoons. And then she kind of sits down and nurses the fire a little bit. And uh, gestures to uh, the spots around the fire t- for you guys to sit down with her. Um, I gotta go bring this other bowl over here. <laughs> and I go around a corner and I eat it really quickly. <laughs> they loved it! And I come back with one bowl. <laughs> she kind of gives you like a bit of a surmising glance, but doesn't say anything. Um, who's your chef de cuisine here? <laughs> um, I-, I am, actually. Um, hi, um... Name's Korth, and um, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. I hope you like the soup. Do you want some? And she, she's kind of already pouring some into a bowl. Soup? What's the soup for today? Um, well, it's, it's a lentil and barley base um, with some chicken stock in there. Chicken stock? Um, I- so it's like a brothy soup? Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of my favorite. Um, I didn't, uh, I didn't I say thought- I was sick or anything. Uh, how about more of a hearty soup? Well, I'll I'll tell you what the the moment that the potatoes are ready for harvest, um, you can get your heartier soup. And if you want more meat, um, you can sign up to be a hunter meat? and go catch some. meat in this soup. Uh, a, a little bit. There's so it's like a stew. Sorry, one sec. Uh, Glenbury, do you want something special made? I'm a great cook. Yes, I'll have a celeriac soup with a basil, um, oil on top with some chives. Okay, awesome. And I go over and I'm like, do you have another pot or like fire and stuff to cook with? I, um, this is kind of like my, my shtick that I do to welcome okay. new villagers. Well, you can dump this one out and I'll just reuse it. Well, oh, you don't, um, you don't need to dump it out. I'll eat it. That's all right. 
Okay, dump it in him. Uh, okay. I have uh, some bedrolls here. And she basically kind of is like rolling out these like straw mats for you guys. And she says, um, you guys are welcome to stay here. And the sheriff and the mayor will be here in a couple hours. Again, they were expecting you guys a little bit later. You guys must have had an expedited trip. Um, and I can either stay here. I had a bedroll out for Sengris, but I guess he's not going to be here. So I can stay here and keep you company or I can give you guys Wait, who's employing you? Adjusted. Are you like a criminal like us and you just are doing this for fun? Or is someone employing you? Uh, well, we're all criminals of some kind. That That's why we're here. Um, well, you I, uh, so you're a criminal. And you set up the shop in what, like two days? No, I've been here for a, a few months now. A few yeah. months? Yeah, um, I guess I was a top pick for uh, this settlement campaign. Um, so I just kind of rolled with it, you know. You what rolled you with it. For? I don't want to talk about it. And one of the laws of this place is that we are not forced to divulge. The only person that knows our crimes of the past is the sheriff. That's his responsibility. He uh, is not allowed to divulge that information either. So that's a nice little tip for you guys, by the way. If you don't want people knowing what you did, uh, there's no, you're not pressured to do so. Is he like a self, a, a self-proclaimed sheriff then? Or like, sorry, he... He wasn't assigned to be here. He's just a sh- he just decided he was sheriff. Um, he ki- kind of. Uh, I mean, when he got dropped off, he definitely had some military background. He's kind of like a was a general, I think, and he was guilty of like war crimes. I, I think that's the rumor. But again, he didn't divulge it because you don't have to. So he keeps everyone safe. Um, and then there's the mayor, safe from what? Whose name? Uh, well, I mean the the terrors. Out in the the wilderness, all the the monsters. I mean, this. And she kind of leans forward and she says, "I mean, I'm a cleric, but I I really like to stay in here because it's, it can be really dangerous out there, especially at night." Well, have you ever tried to escape? There must be hope, you know. How did like how do we get out of here? Um. Well, you you have to do your time. Uh, I, do I mean, your look, time. You're go. happy with that? I thought you criminals would be a little more creative than doing your time. You're literally the rebels of society, and you're here making soup? She kind of looks like a little offended at that, and she says, this soup has won, has won awards. I'll have you know. Not you know what? Here. You can sleep alone. I don't, see, and, I don't see any awards around your neck, on the shop side, anything. Look, Blackberry. You're kind of like shouting out at her. You're kind of shouting out at her as she kind of stands up and she's like starting to wipe a tear from her eye. She's like, you know what? I can see that I, this is not a good time no, for no, you please, guys. I'm just going to leave. Please sit down. I've been enjoying the soup. Blackberry, can you please just let her go for like a minute? You're just as much as criminal as everyone else is. You're here. Uh, no, I'm not. You time. don't know that. And that's unfair Black- for you to judge. As someone who calls themselves a judge during an Blackberry, education, you Blackberry, should know. Blackberry, Blackberry, I've stopped listening. I just let her, just let her welcome us. Let's just be nice. Do you know what? I will let um, Glenberry, you roll, uh, both of you roll uh, charisma checks, either intimidation or um, persuasion. I'll do persuasion. Ooh. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's 21. Okay. 17 plus 4. How about you, Glenn? Barry? That is a natural one with well, <laughs> okay, three. So it's a natural one with or like plus oh, uh, two. So three. 
Man, it's it's so close. That's the only thing. Um, so one <laughs> one one of the mechanics of this world is that there's there's a lot of NPCs in this village, and kind of one of the mechanics that is going to be strong in this campaign, not just for you guys, but for the listeners too, is that um, relationships will have some kind of weight. Um, not like any, not different to any other campaign, um, but now. sometimes if if people's um, behavior kind of like rivals each other. They're going to rival to see, like, they're going to roll and contest each other to see who has more influence in that situation. So, in this case, um, uh, uh, Glenberry rolled really low and uh, Curie rolled really high. So, uh, Quarth is just going to kind of stop halfway out towards the exit. He's going to say, You're right. You're right. I'm, I'm sorry. I can tell that you guys are stressed. Listen, it's my job to make you guys feel welcome. I'm the cleric here. Um, always looking to expand. If uh, you over there miss, I can see that uh, you have had your time in the cloth as well. Um, maybe we can collaborate. We can expand. You know, I'm always looking to... to... Am I there or am I in the kitchen? Uh, well, it's all just kind of one room. Oh. But you're like maybe behind a, pi- a, <laughs> a pillar. Okay. And uh, and then she says, um, but you you guys can take a short rest um, and I can do some healing for you guys um, if you want. Does anyone want any uh, want a top up? Do not offer that. Yeah, in this I house, feel like I feel like the fact that you offered a <laughs> soup first and then healing later makes us think that your soup is better than your healing, and your soup, from what I can tell, has not been that great. I'm all healed up, by the way. Thank you for asking. I mean, I mean, I'm of the opinion that you know a good meal lowers everyone's defenses, makes everyone feel great. So, I mean, <laughs> sorry for that, but if uh, if anyone. If you guys are good, I'm just going to leave, unless you guys need healing. Uh, I'm, I'm all good. Thank you very much for offering. Uh, yeah, we're topped off, um, as you can tell. That is my role, my job. Everyone in this town should know that if they want any healing of any kind, they come to me. Oh, so you want to step on my turf? And, well, I thought your turf was just... soup making. You can't do one thing or the other. <laughs> You get one. You get one. Uh, I'm if, leaving. If you don't want to do soup making anymore, then yes, I'll be the soup maker and you can be the healer. Oh, that she oh. Tur- she turns and, and kind of like half runs, half walks out of there. And you three are alone. You don't see the royal carpet cleaner also being the royal scepter holder. I don't have one job. You guys are not very nice. <laughs> He was just offering us some food and some health. I don't think you need to be rude about it. We don't need anyone because you have me and I can do literally anything. Watch, soup. And I do the create food and water spell again. And it just goes all over the floor in the kitchen. And I'm just like, um... And I start, like, pooling it up and pouring it in the pan and, like, the pot. And I'm like, uh... Glenn, is this, like, close? And time pa- and four <laughs> hours past or so, you guys can take. Um, you guys can roll some hit dice if you want for a short rest. Um, if you're an elf, you can make that a long rest, and then because um, you meditate if you choose. And um, do you guys do that? Does anyone rest? Yep. Okay. You guys can roll that. And uh, kind of as the sun is kind of cresting over some of the trees, you're like, a, oh, 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 and it's. Morning, it's like officially morning, the Ocarina of Time daylight song plays out, and um, shortly after you hear some kind of like, uh, some horses kind of canter up to the entrance of the temple, and uh, you see two people 
or you hear two people quietly conversing as they uh, get off their horses, and you can hear them approaching the entrance. Guys, why did nobody clean up the kitchen? <laughs> well, you were in there making it. I thought you would clean it up. Yeah, well, the chef doesn't clean up after I've been themselves sleeping for the, because they're doing I've been the hard sleeping job for the past four hours after all that soup. I can hear people are coming, and they're going to see we're a mess. You are. Hello, a mess. it's a it is a pleasure to meet you. Um, hello, and you look over and you see a guy in some heavy chain mail or heavy plate mail come walking in, and he looks very well built. He has his helmet on, but the visor is pushed up, and he has these. Two bright blue piercing eyes. He looks like he has fair skin. He looks like he's like maybe just over six feet tall. And he comes right walking up and he kind of opens up his hands wide and there's like a big smile on his face. And he says, hello, welcome to Cowick. It is a pleasure to have you in our modest town. I, uh, wait, is he French or Russian? I, um, (laughs) (laughs) in our modest town. Um, I hope you find it, uh, uh, accommodating into your tastes. I do a curtsy. Oh. And I'm like, hello, Poppy, I'm charmed. And then behind him, you see um, a bit of a thinner man in a bit of, like, nicer clothes. He's got, like, a burgundy vest on, and under that he has a button-up shirt, and it kind of goes down to its rolled. His sleeves are kind of rolled to his elbows. But he looks very, um, uh, like, his hair has, like, some kind of grease product in there. It's all kind of slicked back. And he says, hi, how's it going? Um, pleasure to meet you guys. Welcome to Cawick. It is going to be a great time having you here. We're just going to get started right away with introductions. Hi, my name's Igoron. It's a pleasure to meet you. And this is Ingrid over here. Weird name, uh, but, you know, he gets the job done. Isn't that right, Ingrid? Oh, well, I mean, uh, we, we are both here to welcome you to your new home. Uh, looking forward to having you. So are you like stewards of this place or are you actually criminals like the rest of us uh well we're we're all criminals oh um, my god who puts these people in power around here that's what i'd like to know immediately you know literally everybody here except apparently you is a criminal of some caliber. i know but you can't just in the short amount of time this this little theme park has been open this this area you can't how People have already designated their own roles. Oh uh, yeah, that's kind of how society uh, works. Why are you people? Why are you people agreeing to this type of life? This is such a commoner mentality of just agreeing to this kind of lowly life you've been given and just sucking it up. And here you are giving yourself little important titles when you're just all trapped in walls. This is pathetic. You yeah. kind of hear the mayor chuckle a little bit and he goes <laughs> you're saying that you've committed no crimes let me guess you're one of the wrongfully convicted ones right i haven't told you yeah, anything and how would you know that? yes i am yes yes uh okay okay listen uh this is how it's gonna go i know that you guys think that you guys are you know the exceptional ones the special ones listen i didn't want to approach you guys like this i want you guys to feel welcome here i mean hey new opportunities clean slates for all of us you know there's ways to make some gold there's ways to get stronger here and to get some great real estate you know i want you guys to see me as you're in an opportunity finder for you guys but you know it's, it's got to go both ways guys i mean this is this is a partnership ingrid's gonna gonna Start first, and he's going to get through some of the legal stuff. I'm going to get to the fun stuff. So, uh, Ingrid, take it away. All right. And he kind of straightens up, and he kind of, like, 
puffs out his chest a little bit and kind of clears his throat, and you can kind of tell he's getting ready to say something that's kind of rehearsed. And he says, You're now under our jurisdiction. My name's Ingrid. I'm the sheriff. My primary responsibility is to make sure that the terrorists do not come in here and attack people. There are a lot, there's a lot of crazy shit out there. I mean, can't lie, this place has not been inhabited by intelligent people for, for 10 years. So there's lots of monsters, lots of dangers. Um, man, it's so French. <laughs> but if you guys obey the rules, it'll all be okay. The first thing that you need to do is you... <laughs> The first thing you need to do is you need to get moonstones. So the goblins here, they don't like moonstones. And if you have moonstones, they stay away. They attack at night unless you have moonstones. You typically need four for most properties. So I will give you a map. Once you guys get settled in, maybe meet some people, you can come to my place. It's at the top of the street. uh, And I'll give you a map on where you can find some moonstones. You should get them before the end of the day because if you don't, Goblins will certainly come into your house and kill you. And they're not like regular goblins back from home homeland. They these ones are much worse than uh, something's happened to them. And uh, you trust me, you don't want to fight them. Sorry, everybody keeps talking about terrors. And is that goblins or is it like a brand? Uh, well, uh, you know we we don't know. We um couldn't say, but uh, we do know that people who do not have moonstones at night uh. Uh, they don't survive. Okay, I want. You know, I've had a lot of commoners try and scam the royals throughout my my time. Um, this seems like a scam. <laughs> There's no way to know, no way to know that us collecting these moonstones isn't just a scam for you, us to do your bidding for you. The sheriff kind of clears his throat, and he kind of gives you a. Um, uh, he doesn't. Give you like a menacing look, but he gives you like a tired look, like he's kind of heard a similar spiel before. Is he gonna say, "Hey, no dead weight," and he with that he turns around and he leaves. And uh, and the chair says, "Well, talk about somebody getting up on the wrong side of the bed, eh? I mean, tell you what, you know what? We don't have to be like that. We can be friends. We can be partners. Follow me." And he turns and he starts walking out of the temple too. I think both of them are your types. Are you talking to me? Yeah. I'm... I think the sheriff is totally your type. And Ingrid, the big boy, you know I'm shipping you two. Carrie. Uh, I just have a question about the barrier. Does, does that mean things can come in and out of it any time? Then what is keeping the criminals here? Goblins are on the outside, right? Is that... How does that work? I think they like... Are you asking us oh, or the... I don't the know the answer. I was I was kind of asking you guys, because it's because it's all just a joke. Everyone outside of here thinks that everyone in here is a joke. That's why it, it's hilarious to see themselves give themselves. It's hilarious to see them give themselves such high importance, like these fake positions of a suit maker, also a healer on the side, and then this like sheriff thing and everything. It's it's ridiculous. It's all just a. Everyone thinks it's a joke in here, and and I don't know why no one's trying to even f- moon rocks. I don't know why everyone's just trying to just accept their life in here again. A commoner mentality of accepting the poor position you are in life instead of trying to do something different for yourself. Well, tell you what, uh, Blueberry here, you can do whatever you want. 
Um, I'm here to serve my sentence and help rebuild the town. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go out there and figure out something productive to do. But if you want to sit here and complain, I mean, well, they said no dead weight, so we'll see what happens to you. But I'm, um, I'm going to do something. Me too. I'm going to go outside and shop. Uh, and then I leave the temple. I leave too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In the corner, you see Glenbury just, just hissing. Just seething. Like, <laughs> just seething. He is. Seething. Glenn, for sake of expediency, you, you feel a magic hand come and pull you along with the rest of the PCs so that the one shot can happen. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and so you all find yourselves at you the you see the sun and hand gives me a little yeah. slap on the tush <laughs> yeah it's get so out tight so those and glutes it's rock those hard. glutes though bro yeah the hand gets stuck inside it's like ah, my kingly um, bottom no so you guys are outside of the temple and the sheriff is is gone. He's kind of walked. He's kind of ridden off. And the mayor is there, standing next to his horse, and he's kind of just like running a comb through his hair. And as soon as he sees you guys, he says, "All right, guys, let's talk." He puts the comb back into his pocket vest. Let's talk about real estate, living accommodations. Right? You need it. You need a roof over your head. I am your friend mm-hmm. in this regard. Follow me. And he starts walking down the street, and he says, "You know." I think that getting along with everyone is the must, but sometimes you can't. And, you know, that is why it's so important about where you live. You want to make sure that you pick a good spot and he kind of turns back to walk to look at you guys while he's walking. And he says, that's where I can help you. The one job that I was given here is to make sure that everyone is allocated properly so that resources don't get fought over too much. And everyone gets close access to the river that's walking, that's pouring through here. Clean rainwater. I mean, man, can't lose, right? So anyways, this is your home. And he kind of turns and he shows you guys a semi-demolished house of like there's like a brick foundation that kind of comes up like or like brick and stone that kind of comes up like two feet at some points up to like six feet at other points. You can see where some windows used to exist. And then on top of that, there is some like shoddy wood kind of constructing that kind of completes a roof. So it's like like a two bedroom um thatched roof kind of enclosure you can see that you have maybe like 50 feet of lawn space on the side and there's like a little sad little fence that encompasses your yard the ground doesn't look too toiled looks like there's a lot of weeds in there and he says i know i know what you're thinking could could use some love right and that's exactly what you guys are going to do listen when you guys go and do your jobs you'll get paid and then you can pay someone else to come fix this thing and soon you guys will be living in a mansion. Look, this place is going to be like your new home base. And, it, I mean, we all want to be able to come home to something, right? Listen, guys, fresh start. Nothing is given for free, but we get a new chance to make a new life. So, anyways, here's your thing. I would actually take Ingrid pretty seriously on what he said about those moonstones. Because, man, the last villagers that came here and didn't get moonstones, they didn't last the night. Okay? So, anyways, one on each four corners of the house. Okay? So, um... Have a good one, guys, and uh, all right, goodbye. And he kind of turns and begins to walk away. Yeah, bye, guys. This is so cute. I am extremely happy for you two. This is going to be insane. Okay, bye. I'm going to go find Wait, mine. Uh, actually, uh, in the American turns, uh, no, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Cleric person, um, no, th- yes. th- this is for all three of you. What? No. Uh, yes. Um, I'm living, no. Yeah, there's another bedroom. So, uh, I mean, you don't have to be co-ed, 
But um, I'm no, it, it's uh, it's not that. It's um, I am not used to this kind of living. Uh, I know maybe Glenberry is or or Carrie, but okay, maybe not Glenberry. I take that back. But uh, no. Uh, I don't think beggars can be choosers out here, puppy. Yeah, the mayor kind of gets on his horse and he says, I know it takes some getting used to, but you'll grow to love it. And he kind of like slams his heels. Wait, let me on, let me on, don't run away. No. And you guys are staring at this house. Do we want to take a look inside? I fall to my knees. I was asking, I was like, do you want to take a look inside? I'm lying face down in the dirt. Glenn, how are you doing? (laughs) Inside Glenn's head right now. I must help these poor misguided people. <laughs> They're so lost. They need royalty. And then he hears he hears uh, a chirping in his ear. And he thinks it's uh it must be quarry. And he's like, What do you want? I I just wanted to see if you wanted to take a look inside. And tell you what, you can even pick your room. Um, of course I'll pick my room. And I'll be the first to walk in. I walk up to the door. Poppy, okay. do you need do you need a hand? I'm dying. Okay, uh, stay alive for a few minutes then, and then I walk inside. I roll after them, just like <laughs> just rolling sideways on the ground towards. Is them. there a lock on the inside of the door? Like, is it a safe door? Like, is it a door we can uh, lock at night? Uh, no, there's no lock on the door. Is there like a way to like <laughs> block people from coming in the door? <laughs> The door swings in, like 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 once you turn the handle, it's like an inward swinging door, and you can see that there is like a, a triangular piece of wood, like you've gone to any church, they got like those things that they wedge under the doors to stop them from closing, and you got that where you can like wedge it under the door after you're inside to stop people from opening it. Okay, I do that right now. Before Poppy's in? Well, before anyone comes in. I was following okay. right behind you. Yeah, and I was quick enough. <laughs> Were you though? <laughs> was I quick enough, DM? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, you know what? Roll a dexterity versus strength. We're just gonna see if he just pushes the door open anyway. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> wait, so so Connor's character just like fights me to help. Well, no, I I was just walking. Maybe I I don't even know you're trying to close it on me. I'm just still walking. <laughs> I yeah, natural, you probably just think it's like a weighted door. Natural one. Like, <laughs> okay, so like you turn to like try to close the door, but like you're not a, you're kind of a frail person, like, <laughs> and then uh. Corey, you just think that it's like a weighted door and it's just trying to press against you. You're like, ugh. And you just like push through it. I rolled a 19. So just, <laughs> boom. Oh, yeah. Wait, did we agree that we were all sleeping in my house? Uh, this this is our house, Glenn. <laughs> I, I crawl in between both of their legs. Is- I crawl between both of their legs, just sneaking through, on, on all prone. And then I just start like, Looking for a room. Glenn, are you having an aneurysm? You alright? Sorry, I just... Actually, no, not sorry. I just shut off my ears when, I, when I've when i given up on even talking any sense to you people. Oh, good. Then I'll, uh, I'll take the room upstairs, then. Is that the master? Is there a master bedroom in here? There is a, a bedroom upstairs. But it's, um... The, the stairs to get there are, like, half missing. Okay, well... Uh, I try to race him to the room upstairs. 
Okay, both roll um, dexterity, I guess. <laughs> Why do you keep fighting me, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's only a ten. Uh, mine's a seventeen. I also cast levitate. Seeing Glenn gunning for upstairs, Quarry's just like, "Oh, all right, I'll take one on the gl- the ground floor then," and he just walks away. He like doesn't doesn't fully try and race. <laughs> I also cast Misty Stat. Whoa. With <laughs> <laughs> a teleport. Um, as, as this all is going on, you suddenly hear a light knocking on the door. I roll out of the rooms on the first floor. I roll towards the door and then, like, just pry it open, but I'm still lying <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> and you see someone standing out there who. Um, He's like a shorter, actually, he's like almost as low as you. He's a gnome. Um, he's got like a, a forest green vest on. Um, he's just kind of similarly to the mayor, actually, uh, to Igoron. Like, he's got a, a green vest instead of a red shirt, though. And he's still got like a little shirt still rolled up to the sleeves. He's got like those like thin wire spectacles on him, on him dark brown hair, a little bit of uh, stubble. Hello? Uh, hi. Um. Are you okay? No. Carrie, there's someone at the door. I uh, open huh. the rest of the door and go, Oh, hello. Welcome to our humble abode. Oh, hi. And this, like, three and a half foot gnome is looking up at, like, this seven foot creature who's more than twice his height. And he kind of, like, swallows and he's like, Uh, hi. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, my name's Letholdus. Um, I'm the local barber around here. Hi. Oh, barber. I've got a beard. I might need to stop by sometime. Well, I just kind of wanted to say welcome to the neighborhood. Um, I heard we were getting new villagers today. I have a um, a small gift for you guys. Uh, okay. <gasps> Poppy stands up. <laughs> yes, um, please. And I reach out my hands. Okay. <laughs> what was your name? Uh, my name's Letholdus. Oh, Letholdus. Oh, that's a beautiful name. Present. Yeah. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> sure. And uh, he has a small container, pops it open, and there are three glass vials there with like a, a bright red liquid in all of them. And he says, <gasps> Juice! Uh, don't drink that right away. Um, these are healing potions. Um, oh. Yeah. Um, I have a friend down the street who's a bit of an alchemist. He owed me a favor. So he made these for me. I know that um, getting used to, you can get a fair bit of scrapes and bruises on your way in here. So just want to say welcome, and uh, I hope you guys are are um, liking it here already. I know it's a bit of a rough transition. Why is everyone in this town trying to heal people? I have one use, and now you're trying to use items to take it away Hey, from Puppy, me? don't worry. You can... I, I slowly start slumping to the ground. No, again. Puppy, <laughs> it's okay. You can just heal the hearts of the people here by spreading the love. I f- I, are you, like, trying to hold me yeah. up? You're right. Larry, are, do you have love? Love? Lazarus. Oh, uh, it's it's Letholdus, Um, but Larry's fine, Lazarus is fine. Just don't call me late for dinner. <laughs> are there broken hearts here? Um, well, yeah. Uh, is there a Lonely Hearts Club band or something? Uh, there's not a club, but you can see the heartbreak all over the place. I mean, I mean, some people, you know, they got arrested and then... And, they haven't seen their families. They didn't even get a chance to see their families before coming here. Um, so now, listen, I I don't mean to cut to the ta- to, to the chase right away. Um, I have an interesting proposition for you guys. All right. 
Is this everyone here? Is there um I kind of thought I saw three people come in here. Yeah, he's no, this he's is a everyone. little busy. We we'll we'll <laughs> just pass on the message. <laughs> I used Mitz, Misty step and just like <laughs> right up the stairs. And I also <laughs> have le- levitate on, so I'm like <laughs> prone against the ceiling. Floating in the top bedroom. Okay. <laughs> Full Spider-Manning on the ceiling. Royalty! Um, he opens his vest. Lethal just opens his vest and you can see inside there are like three different pairs of scissors. And he says, listen, I'm a barber. Um, I think I already said that. Um, I have a, a modest uh, barber shop on the top of the hill in this village. Problem is um, I don't really like where I live. It's a really nice place. Everything is finished because the person who lived there before me died right before I got here. So I got to just move in. It's like hardwood floors. It's like a really, really nice living space. It's a little smaller than here, actually. But it's it, everything is done. Everything is finished. There's like uh, down pillows like filled with feathers. And I'm wondering if you kind of want to switch houses. Poppy's drooling. Um... Yes. Okay. Oh, hold yes. on. Hold on. Why do you want to switch the house? <laughs> well, it's actually kind of um embarrassing. This is, this is a dilapidated shack. Look, I've lived on the streets. This is a dilapidated shack. No one just wants to walk in and take this and walk away from a fully finished home without a real reason. What's wrong with your house? Here's the thing. Um, I have a, a really bad knee and he kind of pulls up his pants and he has like a big nasty scar kind of running along the surface of his left knee. You can tell it's from an arrow. <laughs> so, um, and he, an arrow to the knee. And, it, and he says, <laughs> so walking up and down that hill to my house hurts a lot. Um, I cut hair. That's the one thing I'm really good at. I don't really like walking up to my house, but your house is right on the riverbank. So, what I would kind of like to do is live here so that when I'm done cutting people's hair, I can just put the hair in the river. I don't have to get rid of it myself. And then that way, you guys get a nice house and I get to to be in a place where I don't have to like walk a mile every day to get rid of hair and hurt my knee. What do you... Won't the woodland creatures eat the hair from the river? Yeah, that seems kind of gross. But if creatures eat it, that's fine. Well, it's all downstream, right? I mean, we get all the water from upstream where the water's super clean. I mean... This hasn't seemed to hurt us before. Okay. And here's the best part. Here's the best part. My house already has moonstones. So you guys don't even need to worry about that. You guys can just, like, relax. You can go shopping for the day. And I, I have... Wait, how are you going to be okay I here without moonstones? I, I have this. And he kind of lowers his shirt and he has a little necklace. And it has a little bit of stone in it. And you can see it's the same kind of stone... That um, is the kind that I almost called him Zippy. Uh, that Glenberry got from Sengren, the the traveler. He says, "I got my own moonstone. It's um, it's a little small and it doesn't protect the whole house, but it stops goblins from uh, attacking me. So that's all I really need for now. And maybe tomorrow I'll I'll pay a, a hunter or someone to go get me some more or something like that. Um, so you don't need to worry about me. I'm just I." You know, to to be honest with you, he kind of lowers his voice. I've been looking at this spot for a long time. It's right on the water, but the mayor, he likes to have a monopoly here, and he kind of looks around to make sure no one's listening. He says he likes to play king, and he li- and the way he does that is he dictates where people live, and that's the one authority that he's been given by the sheriff, and so 
if he has if, if you want to live somewhere else, you have to live where he says unless you trade. And so I'm I'm kind of and, and he kind of wrings his hands a little bit. I'm I'm kind of wondering if you could help me out. I mean, it's it's a really good deal for both of us. What do you say? Um, I will defer to the team on this one. I actually don't have a lot of um stake in this. I'll live wherever, really. Uh, uh, feather pillows, please. Okay. <laughs> well, it sounds like we got a a, a deal. Oh. What about Spider-Man? Yeah, I look what at do this you and want? I go, Cherry, are you okay with this? Oh, hi. I uh, I didn't see you there. Hi. Um He's just hissing on top of the <laughs> ceiling. <laughs> Pleasure to meet you. Uh you look like you could use a haircut. Oh sorry, were you talking to me? Just... Yeah. yeah. But I'm upstairs in the bedroom. Oh, we oh, thought you came okay, down so to the main yeah. floor. I never yeah, I thought you Misty stepped and you were on the ceiling down there. No, I Misty stepped up the stairs because he said there was stairs missing. And then I, like, <laughs> have, have uh, levitation on, so I'm, like, hanging up around there. Okay, oh, yeah, so then he doesn't talk to you. Okay. Hey, uh, Glenberry, we're moving. Um, moving where? I'm just getting situated up here. I'm just placing my thing to, to my house up on the <laughs> up on the hill. It's a it's a much nicer place than this. It's uh hardwood floors, uh quartz countertop. It's great up there. Says who? Uh Litholdis. <laughs> I'm uh I'm the local uh stylist. Aren't you just another criminal like everyone else? <laughs> um well, I'm sure you hear this a lot, but I was actually wrongfully convicted. So, um I I'm not a criminal actually, but um Doing my time, just like everyone and else. how long have you been here? Come out of your room. It would be so much easier to talk if you just came down here. <laughs> Fine. I, I, I had to get rid of Levitate, and I just, like, I turn around the corner at the top of the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> my, hand, my hand is gently placed on the railing, and I have my, like, head tilted up, and I walk slowly down the stairs. Well, this is actually, um... This is kind of what it looks like, and he kind of like waves his hand, and a minor illusion kind of like pops up, and it's like a five foot slowly rotating camera shot of this house, kind of like second to the toppest house on a natural hill, and like goes, I I kind of like meant took a mental picture of this right at like sunset, so it looks really good, and then and the house does look good. It's like a log cabin kind of thing. Um, you can see that the door is open and you can see it's like, it's nice and like lots of natural sunlight. There's like a big roaring fire. Um, it looks like a nice place. Gwen, let's take it. Let's take it now. How long have you been here? Uh, two months actually. And you, and you built this house? No, I, I inherited it actually. In two months. Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately people die here often, you know, there's. There's not a lot of clerics around. There's a lot of monsters out there. Um, and the person, there was someone who died in this house, was given to you, and now you're paying it off to us within two months of you owning it? Well, yeah. I, uh, does, I don't know no one, does no one think that sounds a little sketchy? You missed the whole hairdressing bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, he pulls out some scissors. I'm a stylist. Glenberry um, tries to, <laughs> like... Has this puzzled look on his face and tries to comprehend the fact that hairdressing would have any sort of bearing on this conversation <laughs> at all about like real estate. Long story short, I have a bad knee, 
Um, I kind of want this place because it's next to the river. As a hairstylist, I deal with a lot of hair. I kind of like to put it in the river so I don't have to deal with it. Um, nice trade-off. What do you think? Fine. You said hardwood floors, I'm in. Great. Let's go. Yay! They'll love it. Okay. Um, so he says, it's, it's this way. And he kind of starts, like, leading you. And he says, I can help you guys carry your bags or anything. Do you guys have any luggage? No, you got a bad knee. It's fine. Well, you can carry mine. Uh, well, no, now that I'll, I think about it, I'm only three feet tall. I, I, oh, sure, sure. It's yeah. okay. And, uh, no, pu- I've, I've got a puppy. I pick up Poppy's bags. Then who's going to carry me? I can carry you, too. Okay, well, then who's okay. going to carry me? You can float. You're still floating. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I, t- I took off levitating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. You can cast levitate again. You just float there. You can't tell me to cast this or that peasant. I can tell you I'm not carrying you, though. I'm I'm not Harry, I want go. this bad new guy to carry me. I start walking. <laughs> he's already like halfway up the hill and he's like breathing really heavily. Ugh, ugh, and he's kind of like walking and I need everyone to make a perception check. 17. 15. Uh 6. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, My so eyes are closed. Letholdus's knee seems to really be bothering him. Uh, and he's kind of halfway up the, well, no, he just kind of crests the hill. You guys are like just at the, like the front entrance of this nice house. Uh, and he's about to say, yeah. So, you know, the one thing I did do was like with the garden, right? I started, and then he gets interrupted by someone saying, Hey, Hey, what the hell is going on? And you turn and coming up from the house up the street, the one on the very top is the mayor. And he's kind of like quickly brushing his hair back, rolling up his sleeves. And he says, what the hell, Lotholdus? I said you cannot do this. You have to live here. Lotholdus kind of like puffs up his chest and he looks kind of, you know, pathetic because he's only like three and a half feet tall. But he says, hey, listen, Igoron, this is a fair trade. They want to live here. I want to live down there. Listen, you belong up here with me. You don't got to live down there. No, you're, you're staying here. And then Lotholdus kind of like backs up a little bit. He's kind of intimidated by this mayor. And he says, listen, uh... Igoron, there's, there's nothing you can do. They they want to live here, right, guys? And he kind of looks to you guys. Look, Miss, Mr. Mayor, it's, it is a, a very simple It's Mayor trade. Igoron. Mayor, and a lot, of his, oh. a lot of his grace is kind of, like, gone. Well, Mayor Igoron, this is the responsibility of the people here is to establish a new society. And part of society is trade. And we are simply just trading houses. We've all agreed to it. So there should be no issue with us moving up here. And then he looks at the other two and he says, and you two are okay with this? Uh, yeah, of course. They mentioned hardwood floors. And he looks like kind of bewildered and he goes, your house is twice the size. There's three of you. What? Why would you want to live? And he okay, l- I'm done with this. Calm emotions on you. Ooh. Okay, what's the DC on that? 15. 15. And what is it, Charisma? Yeah. Okay. Like that's the saving throws, Charisma? Yeah. He kind of, you can see kind of like this charm start to take hold of him. He's like, uh, but then he like snaps to it and you can sense your magic kind of get rebuffed. And you see some kind of wind start to kind of like flare up around him a little bit. And he says, don't try any of your mind games with me, failed cleric. I was just trying to chill you out. Just stop. Leave us alone. And he takes a step back. And you can see like him clenching his fists, and you see some magical energy kind of like collect on his hands a little bit, and but then he can like 
and he calms himself. And then he looks at Letholdus and he says, This isn't over, Letholdus. This is a despicable trick. You haven't heard the last from me. And he turns and he storms back up to his house and he slams the door. Well, that was a little more complicated than I was expecting. Woo! Letholdus says, I still think he's a good match for Glenbury. <laughs> you know what? I actually agree with you. I knew you were hiding something, hairdresser. I knew it. What? What are you, what are you talking about? You mean quartz countertops? Uh, no, this whole dispute you have going, you're, you're uh, bringing us into this. He'll get over it. He has a flashy temper. He will calm down by the end of the day. Listen, great house here. And you guys don't even have to go looking for moonstones. That's, that's the best part. You guys can sleep knowing you'll be safe. Okay, where's the couch and the pillows? I, I start walking into the house. Okay, and he right. says, listen, I don't want to stop you guys from getting settled in. You guys have a great time. Don't make a lot of noise for the first week while Egron, he's your neighbor now. While he kind of gets used to you being here, after that, he'll settle right down. I promise. He's always like this. I'll see you guys later. If you ever need a haircut, I'll give you a 50% discount on your first haircut. Bye. And he starts, like, limping down the hill. And then he leaves. Well, let's go see the house then. You go inside, and it is... Almost perfectly like what he described. It's like, you know when you use a fisheye lens on a house when you're trying to sell it and it makes all the rooms look bigger than it is? It's kind of like that. It's it's really nicely... It's like a house flip, basically. It's really nicely done, but it's pretty small. Like, each of the bedrooms is like a is like a 9 by 9 foot kind of thing, but there's two of them, and then there's an extra cot kind of pulled out in the den area. I call a room, and I go into the one of the rooms. Where's the pillows? There's one in each room. And only one of them is filled okay, with Okay, start down. going into each room and taking one. <laughs> you s- I take all the pillows and you- I go into a room and then I make a pillow for it. You said every room was 9 by 9. Is there no bigger room than that? Uh, the living room is like maybe like 12 by 10. Okay, I go to the living room. <laughs> you start walling it off so it's your room. No, I go to the living room and I cast Tiny Hut. <laughs> <laughs> It takes a minute to cast. Yeah, it takes a minute to cast. It's a 10-foot radius immobile dome, though. Okay. It's very comfortable inside. So you guys spend the rest of the day kind of um, getting used to the house, kind of meeting a couple other people. And for everyone listening, all these things can actually happen in real time. Um, I mean, like, there's a bunch of other civilians who live here who all have jobs and kind of motives of their own and... And relationships with each other, that is all kind of laid out. Um, but for the sake of not kind of giving everything away, um, we're just going to kind of like bleh, skip past all that kind of stuff. Now it's kind of like sunset. They've met a lot of people. They've done some uh, some trade. And your characters are about to go sleep for the night. And um, yeah, the sun's starting to set. And you can see that as you look outside, you can see people are just, they're not, talking so much anymore they're not really laughing things are getting kind of quiet around the village there's like a almost like an uneerie um silence like people don't want to talk too much as it gets closer to sunset people start bringing out in like these little baskets these collections of these stones that you can recognize glenberry as the same stone that you have and they put them in these little embeddings in the walls of their place as soon as they're in place they rotate them and then kind of lock them in place with a locking mechanism. And you can see that all of these houses have had these locking mechanisms kind of installed on all these corner posts so that 
these they can't really be taken out once they're in there without exception every single house is putting these stones in all the columns that people are living in i noticed this and i mean what other option do i have and i do the same thing with the stone i was given actually everyone make like an investigation check Ooh. 13. 10. 20. 10. 20? Or sorry, 19. 19. They're not hidden, but shoved underneath um, a small stool that is a side table. Um, you see a basket with a little cloth draped over it. And uh, Quarry, you're the first one to find it. But it's it has these four stones in there. And they're, they're just like yours, Glenberry. So you actually have a bonus moonstone. You piece it together. And, um, but you have four and is it safe to assume you put them in your, your, the post of your house? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So you put them in as soon as they're in, um, they begin to, to kind of glow and, uh, you can sense, actually, you know what? Give me an arcana check. Glenberry. Arcana check. If you say so. That's 23. You kind of blink and kind of use like your like magic understanding. And you can tell that these, um, each stone kind of gives off a radius of like, maybe like 10 feet, but there's something about when the stones are in these four corners of the house, they kind of work in tandem with each other. And they kind of create this dome that kind of encircles the entire house by like, um, like up to 15 feet away from the corners. You don't feel it, you don't see it, like you can kind of sense it, but it seems to, it, you've been told that it keeps goblins away, but you can tell that it's definitely there, and you kind of go back inside, you realize that you're like the only house that still has its lights on, and so you kind of like douse the flames till you just have some candles lit, and it's kind of quiet, and then you hear just like some wind, and the sun kind of fully sets, and it's nighttime. And it's a cloudy night, so it's dark again. You hear a baby stir in a house, a couple houses down, and starts to coo and cry a little bit. And then you can hear, because it's so quiet, the parents like urgently kind of like quiet this baby. Um, and eventually it, it quiets down. And it's very quiet. What do you guys do? Party! <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> no, um, knowing this, Poppy's super on edge. Yeah, same. I'm sleeping. Glory. <laughs> in the, in house, the hut. Oh, in yeah. The living room. <laughs> I guess so. I knock on the hut door and I'm like, can I come in? Um, no, this is a kingly, this is the only kingly room that I have left to myself and I'd like to keep it sacred. Hey, uh, Carrie, uh, do you mind holding me in your arms for protection? Uh, sure. And I pick her up, and then I, I go over to one of the windows, and I'm, like, peeking out the curtains. I'm, I'm trying to see, but, like, because clearly something's going on. And so I, I he's, Quillory's just keeping an eye out. Yeah, and just for sake of um, the part that we kind of skipped over, people have been, besides the information that you've already learned, people have been very reluctant to talk about what happens at night. They talk about goblins, terrors a little bit, something bad. But that's about it. And so when this is happening, you act it's just like this. Like you know very little about what to expect. Give me uh Quarry, give me a perception check. 
I'm looking real good. And <laughs> what's your um, what's your proficiency with religion, by the way? Uh, I have proficiency with religion, and it's a plus three. Okay, so you can roll with religion or perception. It's your choice. I'm going to roll with religion. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a 22. Okay. You look outside, and you just see, like, some houses, the path going down the hill, some trees. You hear kind of like the gurgling of the river a little bit. You kind of get, like, a, a sense of something not at ill at ease. Like, uh, like there's a, discord, like the, a discordant kind of, like... Not the force, but like your sense of well-being and goodness in in the world is kind of like there's a vibration there, like something's not right. And you look outside, and you don't see anything, but you can you can tell that you prefer it inside for sure. Something dark is out there right now. I don't know what it is. And you go to sleep. Uh, Corey's going to stay up a little bit longer uh, with that unease to see, just to continue to look and see if he can see anything. Okay. I'm going to go to sleep in the pillow for it. Nice. Um, you stay awake for, um, you know what, roll a constitution uh, saving throw for me. Good at those. Uh, that's a natural 20. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I'm so hardy. Um, <laughs> so you are just, like, there, and the moment you start to, like, doze off, you, like, bite on your tongue, punch yourself in the face. you just like, man, I am, like, staying awake for a good four hours just to kind of see what's going to go, what's happening. And as you do, you see a hand materialize in the middle of the road outside of your house and it's like a long it's got like four fingers and a thumb but each one is maybe like a foot long and it's like pale white skin but it kind of moves with like a little bit of like um like glitter like kind of trailing off of it kind of like a magical essence and then maybe like 15 feet away from it another one appears and then two more appear and they just slowly kind of move towards your house and you can see that they they kind of butt up against something that's maybe like 10 15 feet away like some kind of force field and you intuitively put it together this is the barrier that's being caused by these stones and these hands kind of like press and try to get through it and then they kind of really push through and they kind of like move through like mud. And then once they get through maybe like an inch worth of like magic wall mud, they seem to be able to move freely and they start drifting towards the orbs in the corners of the house. And they begin to pry the orbs out of the house. Guys, wake up. Wake up. And I, I start, like, kicking the dome, and I'm like, guys, wake up. Get, 
Get up now. What do you want? There's something outside and there's something attacking the stones. Leave it be, you. Puppy. Puppy. Yeah, there's something attacking the stones outside. Get up quick. We're in danger. I don't have. We're to. in danger, and I, I stand Poppy up. <laughs> Poppy, we're in danger. I need you to wake up, please. Then you deal with it. Oh. And you all feel a tremor kind of go through the air. <laughs> okay, I'm up. <laughs> I'm up. As one of you will, uh, as Cora, you run to the window. You you can see one of the hands has managed, or two of the hands have managed to pry a stone out of the out of the corner, and you don't see anything, but you can kind of feel this magical force field really lessen and shrink, and you look up and you see maybe like five or six goblins standing in the dark alleyways between houses and their eyes are the only things you can see besides their silhouettes and there's one sitting on top of a warg and he's looking right at you and he's waiting and that's where we're going to end the episode (laughs) 